On today's show, how to make money from your live music streams. We all like money, and this is 30 Minute Music Marketing. 30 Minute Music Marketing. For musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Hi, I'm Greg. Hello, I'm Sheldon, and this is 30 Minute Music Marketing, the show for independent artists and DIY musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. So as we're recording this today, Greg, and mm. as it's been released, we're based in the UK, and there are certain lockdown restrictions that are being eased. However, the days of getting hundreds of sweaty people in a music venue all congregated together in a very tight-knit space, they're probably quite a way off, unfortunately. Yeah. So, What was the, you know, you sent me that photo and I'll actually include it in here. Which theatre was that in Germany? I, uh, all I know, it was a theatre in Berlin and there are very uh, sparse seating arrangements and indeed every other row is uh, is completely removed i hate to think what percentage capacity that uh, theater would be um operating at it's probably only something in the region of about 30 percent so as we now know uh, the majority of musicians uh, are now actively embracing live streaming their performances over the worldwide net uh, that isn't something that's potentially going to go away. And maybe now is the point where a lot of musicians are thinking, well, if I can't go and get money from live shows in venues, I am probably going to have to think about maybe starting to charge for some of the stuff that I do in order that I can get a, a revenue from my music so i just thought um obviously we, we've covered uh, live streams before in episode 31 i believe making the most of your live stream so this isn't necessarily going to talk about how to market them this is just basically how to go about uh, making money or receiving money mm -hmm. from your live streams and perhaps more importantly what you need to think about before you even start doing that Okay, so quite a few things to talk about. Yeah, so the first thing is that if May you're... I add, before we kind of go into this... Sorry, I mean, Greg. I, um, in terms of, like, I know a lot of people are going to think that this is, like, the worst time ever to be a trying to be a gigging musician. But with doing, obviously, myself having to move some of my business online, I have discovered a lot of things, and I actually think it's quite exciting. I know it's not ideal... But at the same time, I think anything that we are going to talk about and have been talking about over the last few weeks, even months now, I think these are all things that can continue in addition to when things go back to normal, whatever normal is. Whatever normal is. And and this is it. I mean, I hate to, uh, hate to be a bit of a Debbie Downer, but they do say there might never be a vaccine. So what we have at the moment and venues and hospitality gradually opening up, it may well be quite a significant period of time before things return back to any sense of normality. <clears throat> and the thing is, we all fear change. And I think musicians, the same as a lot of people, yeah. they don't necessarily want to embrace change. We do like doing what we've always done. But it, like I say, this is probably going to be the norm for quite a, a period of time. So now, if you haven't maybe started thinking about 
trying to make money and monetize your your live stream performance probably possibly as well because maybe since the start of the lockdown you've been you've been maybe building the audience online you've been engaging with the audience online and now maybe might be the time for you to extract money from the fan bank to use that particular metaphor that we always use so let, let's think about the the necessary mechanisms and maybe the things like i say you need to put into place before you can make that happen yeah. And the first thing, Greg, <clears throat> I will say is, like most musicians, they are probably streaming their performances for free at the moment. And maybe you'll probably wish to continue to do that. But how do you differentiate between the stuff that you give away for free mm -hmm. and the paid stuff? Because so there's no point you streaming and playing for an hour on uh, on Monday night and then saying oh by the way I'm doing exactly the same thing on Friday night <laughs> however I want I want you to pay a tenner for it that might uh, that might cause a little bit of friction and people might just say well I tell you what I'll do I'll just wait around for the uh, for the next that's free a one. little bit like a band doing a rehearsal session and they go and do a gig and they effectively do the same as what they did in the rehearsal session plus the bar staff yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly. So one of the things that you might necessarily need to do is the the free stuff that you put out, that might necessarily have to be reduced in time. So maybe, you know, if you've been playing for, for half an hour or so, it might be an idea to maybe whittle that down to 15 minutes and say, by the way, folks, um, I'm going live for, a, for, you know, for a big live streaming special and it's 60 minutes. And it's 90 minutes. So you've got to make uh, a, a time differential between the free stuff, as in give them a little bit for free, and yeah. then basically say, you know, we're uh, we're now in the market to do paid live shows. And I, you know, as a, not as, well, the thing about musicians is that there's always this narrative of the, the hard up musician and you'll be doing me a favor if you do this but basically you know you should approach it in that what you're doing has a you know has a worth and has a value and and people should necessarily think twice about paying for it but like what i say reduce the time of the free stuff in order mm. for you to the the longer periods of paid concerts they do have a little bit more in terms of monetary value so with the free stuff which i suppose in the past we would have just called content yes rather than advert if you you know in terms of yeah um, yeah lots, you know live streamed performances from wherever you choose in your own abode probably would you still encourage putting up a um a a busking tip hat so to speak for those things or do you do you not put any form of trying to say i you know cash that's a that's a very good question i think maybe if i was trying to well there's two ways to look at it you know you, for that casual audience which may never transition to spending maybe seven eight nine ten pounds on a uh, on on a ticket for a streamed show, you can you can. There's no harm in asking. You could always put that down there, or you could just say, "Look, I'm giving you this for free. I don't want anything for it. 
here you have that it's a bit like the free sample it's a bit like going yeah. into a, mm, the days of getting free samples of food from uh, supermarkets there the cheese counter the My cheese days. counter but yes let's use the cheese counter analogy you could just say look i don't want any money for this you have this and they'll go oh this is great and then when you do ask them to to step up and put their hand in the pocket maybe they'll be more likely so there's, there's a certain psychology which maybe yeah. Myself as a musician, I would probably prefer the latter. Here, you have this for free, have it for you know a, a couple of times, and then at some point further down the line, then you can specifically go for the ask. So, so again, time differential could be a uh, the way to go. Make the free stuff shorter, elongate the paid stuff, just so they're actually getting more yeah. when they do actually stick their hands in the pocket. Another thing to think of is that you might necessarily need to make your paid for streams or paid for concerts just that little bit more special so it may well be that it's slightly more formal maybe you know in terms of the decor um it's it's a little bit more um um what's the word i'm looking for ambience uh, Yes, you know, maybe you think more specifically about the lighting. Uh, and may well be, we, we've talked about this in the past in, in terms of real gigs. You might want to make you, uh, these paid-for stream performances a little bit special in that they are one-off events. So it may well be that, you know, I always refer to, you know, you might have a, a specific Queen night where you might do, you know, songs from one particular artist, or you could do, um, if, you know, if you've if you've got a, a specifically extensive back catalogue, you might go right. Well, the first of this month, I'm, I'm doing this particular album in its entirety, and next month I might be performing that particular album yeah. in its entirety. So you're almost giving people a reason to put your hands in the pockets rather than just paying to to get a random selection of songs on the night. And you know, and you might need to specifically step up your stagecraft in in terms of making making it feel like a, a proper gig rather than something that you might live stream from the sofa on your front room which is a little bit more informal maybe you know you've got to adopt the mindset of actually you know i might be sort of live streaming in my living room but this is very much a stage and people have bought a ticket so it can't necessarily be a uh, I was going to use a particularly, uh, not exactly uh, rude, so a uh, half-hearted affair. I was going to use a, an analogy referring to, referring to someone's bottom there. I thought you might. Yeah. The, so the only thing with the stuff that you just mentioned is that um, ultimately putting on the show aspect, putting yeah. on the, um, you know, the, the, the stuff that's in person, so to speak, what do you do about the technology that you are using to capture that performance? Or more, in, in this case, share this performance. What do well, you do it, about that? It may well be that you have to... So, it may, you know, the majority of people are probably uh, live streaming using nothing more than just their phone. However, if you you know if you're asking people to to put their hands in the pocket, it may well be that you have to take the next level up and think about incorporating OB, something like OBS into your uh, into your streaming uh, repertoire and thinking about maybe external cameras and audio interfaces just to improve the overall product for the person at the other end. I notice uh, that Sleaford mods. You know Sleaford mods, don't you, Greg? I'm not that familiar with them, but I know one of they did a work uh, a track with Leftfield. 
Yes. So, so uh, that's how I know about them. Uh, a, a big, a big UK band. Um, I, I saw this very week that they are live streaming a performance from the 100 Club, which is a venue that I particularly play. And I think they're, they're charging £10 a ticket, but they are at great pains to point out in all their publicity and um, marketing materials that it will be streamed in ultra high definition with, you know, super crisp stereo sound. So th they're already signalling to their audience that if you're paying a tenner, the man at the, uh, the mixing <laughs> desk isn't going to get his phone out and point it at the band so so it may well be that again if you're uh, you know it could well be that your particular setup and the way that you play in the acoustics of the room that you normally perform in that they're, they're perfect you know they're perfectly fine however it, it's something that you at least might want to consider just to make sure that that people are getting um value for money and a good quality product at the end of the day, I, again, if they're if they're putting their hand into their pocket, I guess lighting is a really important aspect, Very uh, which much is so. something that I've invested during the lockdown, which I'm yes. using right now. Behind. And I've I've got I've got I've got mine on. I, I don't know what colour it's on at the moment. Uh, so, um, but yeah, that that I think that is important. One thing I was going to ask. So, say for example, we did uh, you did a gig via Zoom, for example. Yep. And people have paid for the for the invite that you then send out, would you do or would you offer anything more than just the gig? Would you go down the value added route? So say for example, like this podcast well, that I'm that we're doing ourselves via Zoom mm -hmm. and I'm recording, would you record it? Would you then give them the opportunity to have that either included or an additional. Yo, oh, Greg, I like your... Uh, I, I hadn't even thought about the upsells. Yeah, you could uh, you could do that. You could have a standard uh, ticket, which is, uh, you know, very much just, uh, just access to the stream. Or you could have a premium ticket, which enables the person to, you know, you could send them the actual MP4 of the of the performance. You could send them, you know, and... You could, and you could now do a meet and greet with people individually afterwards and you know in a way charge extra for that so for you in your band with bernard and stuff like that you could do you could now start to charge vip tickets that give you give the punter um all this because you know artists have been doing this for ages and it's a case of like they're charging like hundreds of dollars to just for basically the same thing. I know it's not quite in person, but at least you're going to speak to someone. And you know, if they like, if you, if they like you, and they can spend, you know, just as a small group of say six people. Mm. Yes, that... I, 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 yes, that, that's certainly possible. I like the way that your uh, your eyes turn into dollar signs. Thinking about all that. <laughs> um, one thing as well in terms of. Uh, getting people to pay for live streams don't just necessarily think that you have to sell tickets for music performances there's lots of things you could think about you could have some sort of masterclass what uh, specific knowledge that you have that you might be able to tutor other people in uh, for example you know you could hold um songwriting um days you know you could teach people uh, how you you know you write your specific sort of songs uh what else have i got i, I don't know it could well be that you're a master chef 
and you could uh, you know you could have some sort of cook along session with your audience so think about your specific skill set think about what your audience might want from you you could be you could be a master knitter or a crocheter, Greg, and you could teach your audience and you could have a crochet along and, and you know, charge well, people money for that. It's funny that you mentioned that because I noticed, you know, the, the synthesizer company Korg? Yes. They did a Korg cookbook that you could get online. And basically, it, they just uh, got in contact with a load of musicians who use their equipment and basically said, oh, what's one of your favourite kind of meals? And then basically, so they made this cookbook. I thought initially it was like a load, an audio cookbook. So it'd be loads of then. Then I realised it was just to do with cooking, and I switched off because I don't like cooking. But I like the concept and the idea. Yeah. So um, again, it may like for example, let, let's go back to Queen. Uh, my uh, my always go to example. So as a super <laughs> fan of, as a super fan of Queen, if if the drummer Roger Taylor uh, said, right, I'm doing a a, a Zoom. Um, behind the scenes of uh, you know how to how to even though I'm not a drum player myself, he said right. If, if he said I'm going to show you how I play all the famous Queen things on the drums, I would probably pay and buy a virtual ticket for for that sort of thing. And again, or, or if one of the the Queen engineers showed you you know how they uh, specifically mic up a, uh, a a drum kit for a, for a, a recording session with. Uh, with the band so, yeah, anything like that just think about what will people what skills have you got what can you teach or show people online that could be something that, that you could well, be selling tickets for in terms of like for a, a lot of bands who you who'd like certainly guitar based bands and stuff you know they i've seen a lot of content to do with uh, rig rundowns and stuff like that so kind of go through you know how you create your sounds and with things like pods and you know the the amp modeling stuff like that which i know a lot of people do use uh it's a way of showing them your world and you know as you said it's a case of like i've seen mark king um from level 42 he's yeah and he's a, and i don't play bass but you know i i want to know how you know i want to i because I like what he does, I'm like, oh, how do you do it? And I and it's really nice to kind of see, and you kind of go, oh, that's really, really cool. Even though I'm not, you know, like yourself, you're not a drummer, but you'd like to know more about a, a, a subject. About or the a thing that, that, you that you like. like. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, you know, in terms of, I'm sure, and I'm going to say it because you've said Queen, so I'm going to say BT. Go on then, there we you, go. But, but you'd T probably... Take a drink. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Um, I'm going to do the same with you and Queen. Um, you know, if he did something like that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm interested. I want to find stuff out. So there uh, you go. If he was to say, right, I'm going to have a day in the studio and I'm going to look at this particular album that I did. I'm oh, going yeah. to pull up the sessions. And I'm going to be soloing lots of stuff. And I'm mm -hmm. going to be showing you around how I built and created, you know, all this particular, you know, each and every track. And it could well be that he's got, I mean, he might have a dozen albums, so that you know that might be twelve individual uh, online events that that people like you could pay money for. Well, he should do because I know he set up within his studio. He set up areas of the studio that have been set up to uh, in the way that those albums were created. So Ima and ESCM, he effectively can go, go because he set it up as it was back then. And yeah, I mean. 
the early albums especially they're the ones that kind of obviously got my attention from the starting point i'd love to know how we did it you know well, if, more if probably only, from a fan perspective if only he'd allow you as a as a fan to pay him for the privilege i might send him a message so uh which he will probably reply to because <laughs> yeah, he's good like that now isn't he oh he's always been good like that yeah so so uh, though you know we, we've set out some of the the ground rules some of the things to think about so let, let's try and think about how to how to get money for what we're doing and i suppose if we're if we're trying to make money from our streams there's you can categorize it into two ways perhaps uh making money but not actually selling a virtual ticket as such and the processes in terms of selling a virtual ticket you, don't worry you can you can edit that out so firstly you could and you sort of intimated this in the first instance you could stream for free on all your platforms as many platforms as possible with and we have mentioned this before because it is de rigueur when a lot of musicians stream with that virtual tip jar and the benefit yeah. of that is that you're reaching the biggest possible audience you're not necessarily going behind some sort of gated paywall i uh, my band took part in a charity event uh this week and they decided not to put it behind a paywall as such the idea was that they stream it live on as many different platforms as possible so they streamed it live through a website streamed it live through facebook they streamed it live through twitter and in doing so they reached the biggest possible audience and they asked for charitable donations and so so you could watch it for free you could donate if you were able to donate and they figured that that was the best possible way of reaching the biggest audience and the more people that you can reach in turn the more people you who are likely to donate so yeah. so you know that that's probably the easiest way to go about it because you're not necessarily setting up any uh, any mechanisms in place in order to let money uh, be the thing that allows people behind that sort of paywall yeah. um, secondly you you were talking about twitch before we uh, before we started this yes, particular just because the quality is higher yeah, the uh, it, it is obviously a platform that was designed for stream live streaming uh, from scratch. Uh, if people have an Amazon Prime account, they can link it to your Twitch account, and I think in doing so, you get a little tickle, maybe a couple of dollars for that. Uh, I think Twitch are now doing; they might be doing some sort of monthly subscriptions, just whereby you know on on a voluntary basis. You can ask people who watch your streams to, you know, subscribe and donate. You know, almost like a like a like a Patreon sort yeah. of thing. So, you know, if if you base a lot of your streaming around Twitch, again, not nothing necessarily behind a paywall, but that is a platform that is almost designed to uh, to receive money from uh, from viewers, and it's set up that way. Uh, and secondly. Um, there is the uh, actual selling tickets, so um, you could uh, use something like called this, uh, or you could. Can you repeat that? Just because it 
there was a the internet glitch just for a second, so I didn't hear that. Right, just for oh. the viewers and the oh. listeners. Oh right, okay. Well, you can probably snip that bit out. But yes, so you could use Zoom, which is what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. And use, uh, or you can also uh, use something like uh, YouTube. Uh, to create some sort of hidden URL and by selling tickets on a platform such as Eventbrite that would allow you to contact all ticket purchasers for this virtual event and send them the necessary URL. Maybe it's normally done round about 30 minutes or so before you're due to do a performance. One thing I would say is that if I was using YouTube and the great thing about YouTube is that the depending on your connection the quality is great mm. it's a platform that everybody has access to and everyone Most, knows yeah i mean i i've got i don't know about you but i've got youtube on my telly so it, it's probably yeah. more mm. of a, an entertainment experience mm. than maybe sat watching you know, a laptop um in your front room on the coffee yeah. table but i wouldn't necessarily i'd go for a unlisted link rather than a private link because yes. for a private link you've got to include the email address of all the people who've bought tickets but that email address would then have to correspond with their google id sign in if Which you know you, what I mean. That's a lot of grief. Yeah and I can imagine 10 minutes before you're due to go on lots of people <laughs> going Hang on, it's not working, this. It's not letting me in and I've paid my money and you're supposed to be going live yeah. in a couple of minutes. So if you just send a unlisted uh, link, people will have access to that. I mean... It... Well, we used that for you to kind of... Well, did in the past was I'd send it to you unlisted, give you the link, and you were able to, to you know, obviously write whatever you needed to and stuff like that. So And then for you to upload it on your... Facebook page and stuff like that. So the unlisted stuff's worked every time, hasn't it? Yeah. So you so you can stream live to an unlisted. I, I had a look at Vimeo as well, but I think to access their live streaming, you've got to go for a, a premium account, which is something like seventy five dollars a month, which is uh, a little bit too rich for my pockets. Certainly, that's a lot. I think they're going to struggle. Uh, well, it's it's meant more for you know high tier content creators, maybe broadcasters, that sort of thing. So again, some sort of virtual, uh, some sort of ticket platform, such as Eventbrite, I only use Eventbrite, A, because people are familiar with it, and it works well within within the Facebook uh, infrastructure, and running ads to uh, Eventbrite events is, is an easy thing to do on Facebook. You don't necessarily have to sell tickets per se, you could let people uh, pay you using something like PayPal and then g contact them on that email address and give them access to a private Facebook group. So you right. could set up what, you know, for a specific either concert or series of concerts, you could say, you know, spend uh, £5, $5, I'll email you the link to join this particular private group for uh, for my upcoming show or for my upcoming series of shows and grant them access to that and then you just stream from your computer or, or your phone or whatever to that private group so only the people who have paid uh, whatever amount of money that you're asking for will have access to that um 
particular event. Obviously, that, that one's a little bit more work because you've got to go through the curation and, and sending people. But yeah. I, I, as, as with all these things, you, you can use something like uh, Eventbrite, but Eventbrite will take 10% uh, or add 10% to your ticket price. Or you could find some more sort of workarounds using PayPal, but that's generally a little bit more legwork. What you generally tend to find, Greg, is that the more uh, the more you have to pay out for a particular service, that just means that they're doing more of the, the legwork yeah. for you. Uh, there's other things to consider as well. There's a company called Sidedoor. I'm not too sure whether you've you've ever heard of those. No. Well, we're based in the UK. I think the, the majority of, of their uh, business is currently in the US at the moment. But what that's de uh, uh, designed to do is it's designed to almost operate on a virtual venue basis. Now, now we always say, Greg, that a um, that uh, promoting a concert is generally a um, a three-party thing. There's normally the promoter, the venue, and the artist. Well, yeah. you yourself, uh, you're the promoter if you're going to be sort of live streaming yourself. But if you could somehow get a venue on board, you've potentially got a partner who can help with promotion. So what Sidedoor does is it almost takes it, it takes uh, streaming concerts. Um, it allows you to team up with specific venues. So that could well be that a venue that you play at regularly already. It'll give them um, a percentage of your ticket sales. But what it also does is it allows that venue to co-promote that show on your behalf, thus potentially bringing your show to the attention of more people. So you're bringing it to the attention of the venue's audience as well as your own and allows two parties, yourself and a venue, to promote an online show. So I think that's that's quite that's quite interesting. So um, I'm not too, I've tried a couple of the venues that we play at. They aren't necessarily signed up to that um, um, scheme or you know service at the moment but i can see how if um well one of the venues that i play at that's they've got potentially six figures of uh fans on certain social platforms if you can involve them in the promotion of the show obviously you're losing a percentage of the ticket revenue but you are bringing that show to the to the attention of, of more people in the process and i suppose the the one of one of the best things about this is no capacity yeah effectively you could and also the the actual outgoing costs are well so so you know you, you'd still nothing. you'd still probably be you know doing the show from home but it's just getting an extra party on yeah. board to help with the promotion which i know for you know we, we me as a band or within a band we do have quite good relationships with a lot of the venues that we play at and so that you know if th that particular venue was part of that scheme that's something i'd probably consider because i know that that particular venue is has a good relationship with us and our fans think highly of that particular venue yeah. and and it'd mm. be a good way just to draw in uh, draw in a, a lot of casuals to to use that particular so uh, yeah. th that's a company called side door we'll, we'll stick the url in the uh, in, in the, the description show notes. beneath yes and i think i think that's a, that's about it and you know let's use myself as a particular example and um, paid for live streams is something i've not necessarily 
been thinking about up to now. However, as um, well, technically today, the, the day that we're recording this is the day that our summer theatre tour should have started. So I am naturally now thinking, right, no, I, you know. And Where as, were you supposed to be playing? I was supposed to be playing St. Helens on the, uh, on the day that we're recording this. Oh, right. Shocking, yes. So, so I, I, this is now something which is, as it may well be, that live performances aren't going to be on the table for maybe another six months. I'm now thinking, yeah, uh, pay for live streams, and how do I do it so that even if we only live stream once a month, how can we differentiate maybe six specific How can concerts? you make those shows, six how different can, shows, even though effectively... Shows. You're, you're broadcasting from the same environment, but you've got to make it different each and, time. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, to have value for the same audience six different times. So for me, the easiest thing might, may well be um, doing, you know, six different themes, potentially playing six different albums in full. I've not mentioned this to any of the band yet, so uh, that's just <laughs> that's just the stuff that, that's running the, through my head. I suppose head. one thing that you've got is you've got a lot, you've already got a lot of material. So effectively, yeah. you could do each one with a particular theme. But uh, if, you know, but if I was, you know, some sort of acoustic singer-songwriter, I would think about, okay, okay right, well, do six different... Um, shows concentrating and doing covers from six different artists or i'd have a you know a yeah. rockabilly night and i'd have a, a country night or a rock night and just thinking of, of different ways to make each show different special one, and a one-off occasion one question for you carry on in terms of for those who are not necessarily performing all of their own material where do we stand with prs um um oh. Well, if well, if for example you use uh, YouTube, they have all the necessary licenses in place. What tends to happen with? But where do you stand if you've sold tickets to a unlisted YouTube? Do YouTube's algorithms still know that you've performed another person's song, and but? Do you have to pay something out of yours for PRS, or is that all just taken care of by YouTube? Um, I think YouTube would only be able to identify... Well, you know, they have various listening algorithms. Sometimes it's quite easy. It's, it's scary what they can pick up on. But what they also uh, work off a lot as well is they look at the title of the video. So if you're doing a cover either on Facebook or YouTube and you stick the... Uh, title firework Katy Perry cover then yeah it doesn't it doesn't take a computer a great no. amount of computational power to go I know this is a, this is a cover version and and depending on who the publishers or record company are they you know they may well silence that or it, it's easy for YouTube to then allocate a proportion of the uh, the royalties from that I think if you're going live on Facebook I don't think it's easy for them to like take a, a 60 minute stream and go all right well that particular song that three minutes is of that particular song from that artist and that and that so I think um, Facebook uh, if you're just doing one long live stream it's it's hard for them to to allocate any specific monies oh. I do I do get a little bit of, of, of publishing PRS monies from Facebook but not that 
much. But as I said, live generally tends to be a, a different sort of kettle of fish. So I, it may, I don't think you necessarily would um, need to pay anything specifically on something like a, a Facebook stream. And if the algorithm on YouTube yeah. picks something mm. up, they've already they got sort the it out anyway. Yeah. So one final question then, out of all the platforms that you've talked about, and we've talked about, which one would you use? Well, for your paid stuff. For you, um, I th I think I would go. I would probably consider YouTube, just because you can you you can send people an unlisted URL. You can stream to that URL. This it, it's something that everybody's familiar with because like even even on Zoom, I know there's quite a, a lot of people who now have Zoom and are au fait with using it. But there may well be, again, depending on the age and demographic of your audience, just the very act of asking them to download Zoom and get it working on a laptop or a phone. It may well prove too much. There's some, people, some people who still seem to think the Chinese want all your details. They seem to forget that it's been a business net, uh, you know, conference tool for years. You know, and most businesses don't tend to use something if it's unsecure. Bless yeah. Them. So, so if you she send knows some, who I'm talking about, whoever you know, whoever you're sending uh, um, a YouTube link to, like I say, most people are going to be au fait with that running on whatever equipment they have. So that would be my sort of personal preference. So I know that uh, I think me and you might be making some, um, t you know, we're, we're going to w try and work out some of the technical logistics yeah. uh, ourselves. If it may well be that we, we include it as uh, maybe some bonus content for the yeah, podcast. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and also the other thing, as you said, which I think a lot of people get, is the fact that YouTube's on most people's televisions these days. So it you is. don't have to sit and look at it with a computer. You can listen to it with your sound bar and everything else like that. And I think, yeah, it would be a far more rewarding experience for a fa you know, for a family or yeah. a, a families. That's okay. Even though, oh, what you can't have friends around your house yet, can you? You can't. No, only in the back garden. So if you if you set the TV up at the window. <laughs> Or you know, poking out of the conservatory. That's that's actually possible. That's actually possible. So, it's the funny thing is though, in terms of and it is, in some respects, people are already used to what you're proposing because pay per view's been out for years. So with wrestling, with sports events and stuff like that. So, in that you know, you when we're not really reinventing the wheel. No, the, or, uh, the the landscape has changed, and I do wonder, as venues open up potentially with reduced capacity, how many people, you know, how many venues are going to be live streaming on the night? And it may well be that for quite some time to come, the norm for buying a ticket to a show is you buy. You're one of the lucky people who might be able to buy a in-person ticket let, let's call it that maybe at a specific sort of premium or by a live stream for the show i mean I, i'm quite lucky in that a lot of the venues that i play they are of the higher capacity venues that are probably able to invest in um you know cameras and all sorts of streaming equipment and i do think that you know a lot of the larger venues will be will be taking that as an option. And I know that isn't something that's ever really been thought about 
before, but this has been such a massive sea change that I, I do th I, I do think that from now on, whenever there's any sort of big um, concerts or even small to medium sized concerts, you know, there'll be two options when you go to your ticket provider. There'll be an in-person ticket and there'll be a, uh, there'll I just be a hope they don't. Ticket. I just hope they don't put a massive premium on the in-person ticket. I would like to hope it was a bit like trying to get tickets for Wimbledon, where it's a bit of a, you buy your tickets and they just, you know, they, say for example, as a, 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 they can allow a hundred people into the venue in person and they just, and, and they've sold and they just pick out a hundred random tickets for there. And mm -hmm. if you get that, you can go in person ra rather than just giving it to just for people who the wealthy, I think that that will be. Crap. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. You know, for a lot of artists, they do charge uh, a lot for their concert tickets in order to make up from the loss of revenue from streaming. I can't help think that for again a lot of artists, those prices are going to be pushed up even further to compensate mm. for the loss of increased capacity in venues but we shall see we shall see we're at, we're at the we're at the start of uh, this transitional period so we will just see what transpires well i coming back to what i said right at the beginning i actually do think this is quite an exciting time i'm trying to see the good out of it rather than just go oh you know i mean because yeah. who you know who knows it, it may well be that we can, you know, the, a lot of the venues that I play, say, for example, uh, in our out of town venues, they're 400 capacity. And it may well be that we're a, you know, we're still able to sell a good number of several hundred tickets. And who knows what potential audience there might be for each and every show out there that, that we simply haven't been able to, uh, to mm. tap into before. So and, you know, on, until somebody starts to, to test this and wants live music starts up again it'll be interesting to see how many people who are sat at home who would never have gone out because of childcare issues yeah, or the venues potentially sort of too far you know it could well be that we you know we're tapping into an audience and we're able to get money from an audience that that we've never been able to before so i mean that's the thing your ticket price effectively could have been the same price as just the taxi home mm, indeed you know, um, so or so, a price of a few pints so in a, yeah. in a, the, the charity thing that that I contributed to uh, earlier on this week, they were basically saying that it, this is a streamed version of a show that would have taken place um, in you know in a real venue, and if you could contribute the price of a drink that you would have had in the interval or the cost of your your taxi home, so so yeah, it's a, as we know the, the the cost of going to a show the ticket price is only a small proportion of how much you'll spend over yes. the course of uh, five or six hours in terms of transport potentially a meal as well before you know and then drinks aren't cheap greg no they're not so anyway smash that subscribe button yes uh, if you've got a, uh, a particular question oh we, we have we had a nice uh, email it wasn't necessarily from um um about this particular topic, but can you remember the uh, the name of the uh, the chap who sent us a uh, a great email this week? Uh, um, his name's Jim Hustwit. Hi, Jim. Found you. Thanks for your nice email. Um, yes, I've spoken to Sheldon about this, and I think this is something we're going to look at at some point, possibly in the future. But I'm glad that you've been able to 
keep things going during these tough times that we are all suffering. So, but yeah, I think basically to summarize his email is about the fact that, you know, you have to be able to adapt and there is the potential of this becoming fairly lucrative if yep, you're yeah, prepared if you, to adapt. If you can, you know, if you can find ways to, to monetize your skill set. I mean, the thing is that we don't necessarily like even thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to do something new now in order to try and make some money. And uh, the, I don't know, the inclination is, is, is always to stick to what you do and potentially what you're sort of best at. But, you know, we have to adopt, adapt and improve just to keep those dollars coming in. Yeah. And so. I, th I think for musicians, it, it has always been about what we used to call a portfolio career so bit so be you know being a musician you, you know, used to be maybe going out gigging friday and saturday and doing a little bit of teaching either privately or for educational institutions during the week and maybe you know a little bit of session work here or there and that is that is now still the case but the the activities that we do in order to generate those monies are just having to adapt slightly to uh, mm. for the re the remote world mm. So, well, thank you for watching and... And listening uh, on the podcast. And, and uh, we will do another one, hopefully sooner than this one. But, you know, it, it's a topsy-turvy world. It is. It, it, it's, it's a strange world that we're living in and I'm, I'm doing all sorts of different things about it. I've done the band accounts uh, for the past uh, week or so, which has kept me busy. So, but en enough of financials. I don't want to talk about Excel. Yeah. Right, everybody, stay safe. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.